Well, look at your neighbor and say, you look good today. Now, some of you think I'm going to have to lie in church. No, you do look good today. I want to cover just uh, one real quick uh, announcement before we turn it over to uh, uh, Pastor Tad and Dean Tad or Tad, whatever, Tad, Tad, anyway. Uh, Miss Carolyn Spinnenberg Terrell, how many members of Miss Carolyn? The Spinnenberg sisters, kind of famous in this country for living life, serving God. She went home to be with the Lord, and, and tomorrow's her celebration of life at uh, down at uh, Tander Eckley and Raleigh, Raleigh, and 11 to 1. I just want you to pray for that family. She's 74 years old, uh, was 74, launched into heaven, and uh, she had some things um, going on mentally and so forth, but how many know she's free right now? And just remember that family. They're just a strong family and been a part of our church and, and so forth, and uh, just remember them. Um. In life, we have an opportunity to develop relationships and uh, to see them grow. And um, some people get on our bus, and they stay on our bus till we park our bus. Some people get on our bus, and we stop, and they, for whatever purpose or reason, they get off the bus. And then some people get on our bus, and we have to help them change seats on our bus. Thirty-six years ago, August... I pulled into a side yard of a house at Raymond Bible Training Center, which is now college. And the reason, two reasons I pulled in is because I was really, really homesick. I mean, so homesick, I had really threatened about turning around and coming home. Well, these cars were kind of parked in the yard and sideways, and I said, well, they must be rednecks in there. They don't even know how to park. And the garage door was open. And I walked through the garage door into the kitchen. Just, I don't remember if I knocked. And there's three men in there, Ron Gilly and Tad and John Hartline. And I can tell you, Tad Gregorich has changed my life forever. I would have come home if I had never met Tad Gregorich. Well, why? Wasn't you focused on going to Bible school? Yeah, but I had drawn every fruitcake, moth, crazy fly out there. And they were all prophesying to me to pay their way through school, pay their money for a haircut. And I finally met somebody that was real. And we've been more than friends. We've been family for 36 years. And I never dreamed we'd get the whole Gregorich family here today. We're getting the whole package, guys, today. The car's loaded, we're getting everything, and I'll let Tad inter introduce the, uh, the whole family here. But we, I'm telling you, these next four days, listen, God has brought opportunity for, for, for healing to help us understand and receive what Christ has done. So uh, Tad will announce what we're going to be doing. There'll be things during the day, there'll be things at night, the Wednesday night service, all this stuff. So um, Tad, if you just come on up here, I just want us to pray over him. Just reach your hands out and... Father God, we thank you for Tad and Josh and Tanner and Amanda, and we thank you, Lord, they're operating as a family. And Father, I thank you today for faith, the faith in your word that you, Lord Jesus, still heal and deliver. And Father, I just thank you today, and we receive them. We have eyes to see and ears to hear, and we're excited in Jesus' name. Amen. faces that I recognize, and y'all haven't changed a bit. I have. Lost a lot of hair. 
I'm, I'm, I'm at the place just glad to have hair these days, you know. Amanda, now she hasn't changed any. Amanda, stand up and wave at everybody. She hasn't changed a bit. Praise the Lord. Uh, now, Sa- Sandy Willow used to call our little boy Tanner Bill when he was about, Amanda uh, would carry him around the church here, but Tanner Bill kind of grew up on us here. Stand up, Tanner. You're going to be, he's, uh, he's uh, 23 now. Just got engaged to be married here this past Sunday. We're excited about that. Love her. And so uh, he's uh, graduated from Rama and is now part of the Rama Ministry Association and doing uh, uh, traveling and ministry. He and I'm going to introduce Josh here in just a moment. Uh, they're heading to Brazil for six weeks here in April. Be down there for six weeks. And then they got to get back because our, our daughter, Emily, uh, she's pregnant. She's going to have our first grandchild this June, Carter William. They've, I think they've decided to name him. And so I get to, maybe, I, I don't know if they're going to call me Papa or what, but they're, that's all Papa this morning anyway. Talk to him. But anyway, we're so glad God is doing such great things. Uh, uh, we just can't imagine. We just uh, love, what, love what we're seeing here. And uh, church and family worship center is always home. Uh, for us, and we just thank God for each and every each and every one of you. We're going to have some great meetings. We're going to, of course, got this service, uh, 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 and the next service tonight, and then we're going to tomorrow morning at ten o'clock for anybody that can come. Ten o'clock to up around noon. If you can just come in, just come on. We're going to be talking about healing right in here. We'll have a healing class, and uh, uh, we'll talk. Uh, my nephew Joshua, who's going to come and minister to you this morning, he is one of the, there's two lead healing technicians at Ramah's Prayer and Healing Center, and he's one of them. He's got a team under him. So Monday through Friday, he's, he's healing. <laughs> it's healing tech, you know, talking to people. And so uh, this, is, this is his wheelhouse, and so I know some of you can't, you can't get to Tulsa, so we brought it to you this morning, all right? It's going to be a great, great service. I'm going to take second service. If you want to hang around... Sing the songs again, greet a whole bunch of other people. Listen, you know, you can, you can hang off and they're, they're still hometown, everything will still be open by the time we get out, all right? So uh, we already ate at hometown, by the way, last night, had to. It's a, it's a law, I think. If you used to live here and you move back you get, or come back, you've got to live at home, uh, eat at hometown. But then tomorrow morning, Josh will pick up again and he'll have that. And then tomorrow night, uh, Tanner's going to uh, bring the Word of God and minister. And, and you don't know, we might, we might have a service Tuesday night. Wednesday night we'll have a, well, they'll be here, uh, and so we're just excited about these days. These, this is the day, you say, well, what's going to happen? You're going to hear the Word of God, and the Word of God will rise up and live big on the inside of you. We are expecting, we are expecting, and you don't have to have, we're, it's not because we're here, it's because God's here, amen? And the life of God is in each and every one of us as children of God, and, and I'll better watch, I'll get preaching everybody's sermon now, but... Uh, I'm excited about these days, okay? And uh, we have something we've been, we've been wanting to do and praying about doing and launching this type of ministry where we could go out and do this and uh, uh, just so happened to work out, this is the first place we've got to come and do this and bring, bring everybody, and so we're excited about that, okay? Uh, we saw we put a table up out there. Tanner will talk to you all about that. When you go out there, Tanner and Josh will be at the table, or Amanda. Uh, different things we've got available out there. I will say we've got we brought uh, USBs that are it's full of MP3s. 
on sermons that we have all preached on the subject of healing, all right? You know, if you had them individually in, in, in an in a individual, if they were a, a CD, you know, if we were you, to get them all, it'd be close to $300. We, we generally sell it for 50, 50 We got them for $40 while we're here, okay? So all of the money from anything we sell is going towards, we're headed to Kenya again in July. Uh, Pastor Pat asked how many times I've been. I don't remember. I can tell you this. I've been to Kenya so many times, I've actually lived in Kenya a year, if you put it all together, Amen. over the years. So first time was 1996, uh, right here, as we began going over there. Bishop Alex is doing well. His wife went home to be with the Lord this past fall. But if you know, those of you that know Bishop Alex, he's doing well. He's actually Archbishop now uh, of their ministry, and it's growing. And so we're going over there for a couple of weeks. So all this is going to help us on that trip. Uh, and so we got T-shirts, we got uh, things out there that... And uh, if we don't have your size, we'll take an order and we'll ship it here to the church and they can, they can give it to you, okay? All right, and so Josh, come on up here. This is, uh, this is Joshua X. He is my uh, youngest sister's uh, son, youngest son. Him and Emily are the uh, same age, just a few months apart. He's been here before. Y'all don't may, might not remember him. They were little. They'd come visit, and so he's been here before. But he's a, like I said, he's a minister with the Raymond Ministerial Association and very... I'm excited about what he's got for you because this is, it's a school, all right, this morning. You ready for that? You ready to get in the Word of God? All right. Let's stretch your hands out towards Josh. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that you speak through him, give him utterance today in the Holy Ghost. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go ahead, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to be back here. You know, I was really young the last time I was here, and I was just talking to my aunt about it. I think when I was here, we were actually having communion, and, uh, you know, they were passing the trays, and uh, it wasn't those styrofoam little pieces of, uh, you know, bread that we have, but it was actually oyster crackers, and I remember I loved those things, so when that tray came along, I didn't know, instead of grabbing one, I actually grabbed a whole handful of those oyster crackers, and my mom was like, no, put it, put it back, and so I released all of them back into the tray. So some of you may have eaten dirty oyster crackers from my hand. So it's good to be back with you guys today. But, uh, you know, it's such an honor to be here. And as my Uncle Tad was saying, I do speak at the healing school. And I really love the way that the healing school is set up. We have a structure Monday through Friday. And on Monday, we always start with the love of God. And I think it's so important that we start with the love of God before we get into righteousness or into faith or anything like that, because the love of God has to be the foundation that everything else is built upon. If we don't understand that God loves us and if we haven't embraced that for ourselves, it's actually really hard to trust him. How many of you guys know that whether you're in a relationship with somebody, whether it's a spouse, a friend, a coworker, whoever it is, unless you really know that they love you, it's hard to trust them. And if you don't trust them, then you're not going to believe what they say. And if you don't believe what they say, then it's going to be hard to receive anything from them. And so what we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about the love of God here. But, you know, something I wanted to share with you is just how to start your day every day. And I believe that one of the main things we got to do is be thankful. Thankful to God. I remember I was in mission school, did the third year mission school at Rama. And every morning, my instructor, he would come in and he would ask, how many of you are thankful? And he'd want all, every single one of us to raise our hands. And I remember I didn't really want to speak, so I always kept my hand down. 
And it was funny because he said, you know, the ones that don't have your hands up, you're the ones that need to be thankful. And so he kept calling on me because I wouldn't raise my hand. And I eventually learned just to raise my hand and he wouldn't call on me. But I remember it was just the first week and he was asking us and people would raise their hand and he'd say, why are you thankful? And people would say, man, I'm so thankful because I needed $3,000 to come to the mission school. And God, he completely paid it off. People gave to me, and I'm just so thankful. And he would just kind of nod his head. He wouldn't say anything. He just moved down the line. And so he would ask the next person, and they would say, oh, I, you know, I'm a waiter at, at this restaurant, and somebody gave me a $100 tip. I'm so thankful. And he would say, that's good, that's good, and he just kind of moved down. And people were saying things along these lines. He said, you know, it's so good to be thankful for things that God does for you, especially whenever he takes care of these situations because he's going to provide every need. But he said, you know, what you're thankful for, everything you guys have said, it's actually the lowest level of thanksgiving. He said, because what happens tomorrow if you don't get that $100 tip? Are you still going to find a reason to be thankful? What happens next year if you decide you're going to go another year to Ramah and somebody doesn't pay off your tuition? Can you still be thankful? He said the highest level of thanksgiving is being thankful to God for things that will never change, eternal things. That means that no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what's happening, you still have a reason to be thankful. You still have a reason to thank God for who he is. And what that does when we're thankful, it actually puts us in an awareness of God. It puts, us into our, it puts us into an awareness of who God is for eternal things. So, for example, he said, you know, what you need to do is you need to wake up in the morning and you just say, Lord, I thank you that I'm accepted. Father, I thank you that you chose me before the foundations of the world. Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you care for me. I thank you that you healed me. You set me free and I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm completely free. I'm a brand new creature in you. And whenever I'm thankful for those things, those are things that will never change. That means no matter what I'm going through during my day, no matter what my financial situation looks like, no matter what's going on in my body, I still find a reason to be thankful. And guys, what it is, God told me one time, he said, what you're aware of is what you put yourself in, in position to experience. Whatever I'm aware of, I put myself in position to experience. So if I wake up in the morning and I make myself aware of what God is and who he is for me, I've now put myself in position to experience those things about him throughout my day. Whatever I'm aware of, I put myself in position to experience. Think about whenever you're worshiping God. How many of you guys, when you're worshiping God, you can just sense the presence of God. His peace is with you. His presence is with you. And I remember I was in a service, and I was feeling his presence so much, and I asked him, I said, God, why am I feeling you so much during worship? And he said, you know, it's because your attention's on me. He said, I never leave you. My presence is always with you. It's not only here when the, when the music's going. It's always with you. He said, but the thing is, is your attention's on me now. And because your attention's on me, now you're experiencing me. How many of you guys know that Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace? He lives on the inside of us. But if we're honest with ourselves, throughout our day, we might not actually be experiencing that peace all the time. But what if we stop for a moment and when we're experiencing some type of worry, anxiety, whatever it is, and we made ourselves aware of it? Just like this, Jesus, I thank you right now. You're with me. Prince of Peace, I thank you. You are my peace. And you're here right now. You never leave me. You never forsake me. You're always for me. 
always for me, always on my side. And you're here right now in this very moment. And I thank you that I have peace because you're here. Not peace because my every circumstance is the way I want it to be, every situation is the way I want it to be, but because you are here right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you you're in this room right now. Your peace right now. There's people that carried in weight and worry, and Lord, I thank you right now your peace is resting upon everyone right now, right now. Peace, 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 peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. That peace that passes all understanding resting here right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Peace. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, guys, I know a lot of you now, I can see it. A lot of you are experiencing the peace of God. But if you realize we didn't have to have music behind us, we didn't have to have a big service or anything. It was just simply making ourselves aware that peace is here with us. And so throughout the day, you don't need a minister to tell you that. You can do that on your own. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to listen to a tape series. You can actually yourself say, Jesus, I thank you. Your peace is with me right now. And the same peace you felt in this room is the same peace you can feel throughout your day. You know, we can live a life of worship by putting our attention on him, by putting our focus on him and experiencing that throughout the day. It's a beautiful thing. I love it that what Jesus did is he brought us into complete relationship with him where we're actually joined together with him in spirit. You know, I heard one minister say Jesus didn't just give us a ticket to heaven. He actually put heaven inside of us. And so how many of you guys know when we get to heaven, there's going to be complete peace. There's going to be no sickness, no disease. There's not going to be any worry about finances. But I don't just want to have to wait until I die on this earth and go to heaven to experience that. Jesus came so that I can participate with that every day. But it really starts with making yourself aware every single moment of the day. But what we want to talk about here, you know, uh, even with the love of God, as I was growing up in church, I heard John 3.16 so many times. I almost became numb to it because you hear these scriptures so many times and it's that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But if I'm honest with you, I never really embraced that for myself. You know, a lot of us, I think it's easy for us to pray for other people, tell other people God loves you. But if we're honest, it's not always the easiest thing to embrace it for ourselves. And so what I had to do is I remember in Matthew 18, 11, it says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? 
Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. And what God spoke to me in that scripture, he said, if you were the only one that needed healing, if you were the only one that ever fell short or ever sinned, I would have still sent Jesus just for you. And so we've got to embrace those scriptures for ourselves, that God so loved me that he sent his one and only son. And when I embrace that for myself, then I actually get to start experiencing that. And I start, get to par- I start to be able to participate with that. But whenever we're talking about faith or whenever we need to be receiving something from God, we've got to understand that love. We've got to understand it for ourselves. And faith, it's just the byproduct of our relationship with God. And once we understand that he loves us, then we can actually start interpreting scripture the way he intended. You know, there's a there's a scripture in Matthew and it's when Peter's walking on water. And I just want to read it here quickly. It's uh, Matthew 14, 25. Matthew 14, 25. And it says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. And it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, whenever I've heard that scripture, and I've heard many teachings on that, but every time I read that scripture, I heard Jesus, and I saw Jesus kind of just wagging his finger at Peter. Like, what were you doing, Peter? Come on, man. Like, you, why do you have, you don't have any faith? But if we understand the love of God and what he did for us, what if we actually interpreted it in a different way? You know, see, growing up, my dad, he actually, he was teaching me how to ride a bike. And when I was reading this scripture, it reminded me of that. Because when I was learning how to ride a bike, how many of you guys have ridden a bike before with training wheels? That's how you start out. You got to start out that way. But there comes a time whenever it's time to take the training wheels off. And so my dad, he said, okay, we're going to take these training wheels off. And it's just like Peter being called out of the boat. It's time to take off the training wheels. It's try to, time to step out and to do it on your own. And so I remember I got on the bike, and my dad said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take these training wheels off, but I'm going to hold the back of your seat, and you're going to pedal, but I'm going to stabilize you. I'm going to make sure that you can stay straight and you won't fall down. And so I remember I started riding the bike. I started pedaling, and I was going good, and I kept looking back to make sure he was there. And as I was going, I was going good, and it was going awesome, and I looked back, and I realized my dad wasn't holding the back of the seat anymore. He had actually let go. And so when that happened, I started to wobble because I realized I was by myself, and I started to shake, and what did I do? I fell down. But my dad, he didn't come up to me and say, what are you doing, you of little faith? How could you not believe you? But he came up and he said, you know what? He's like, what happened? You were doing it on your own. I wasn't even there with you. You can do it. So what if we imagine Jesus in the same way coming up to Peter saying, Peter, you were doing it. You were walking on water. What happened? You were doing it on your own. Then what it does is it helps us interpret scripture in the way God intended it to. 
But what happens is we sometimes read this and we actually feel condemnation instead of encouragement. And really, Jesus was encouraging Peter. And what I love is he didn't just leave Peter to sink. He actually reached down. He pulled him back up. And, you know, Peter walked back to the boat on the water. And it's just the same way whenever we fall down on the bike, we got to get back up and we got to start pedaling again. And if we've done it before, we can do it again. And the same Jesus that was there to help Peter is going to be with us through everything that we do. And, you know, the cool thing about Jesus is he knew that it was the first time Peter had ever walked on water. And so he wasn't condemning him. He was encouraging him. He's saying, Peter, you can do this thing. Even though you can't see that I'm there, even though the, the circumstances, the wind, the waves, they're around you, you can overcome all that and you can walk on the water. And when we interpret Scripture the way that God intended, we experience the love of God for ourselves. And so what I want us to look at is in Philippians 2, 7. I love that Jesus, he didn't just tell us that he loves us. He actually put it into action. You know, people can tell you that they love you all the time, but until they really prove it, it's hard for us to trust it. So God didn't just say, I love you. He actually sent his son to show us in physical form, that he loves us. In Philippians 2, 7, it says that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Other translations said he laid aside or he stripped himself of his mighty power and glory when he came into this world, even though he was the son of God. So what we need to understand is when Jesus came down to this earth, he actually stepped down from his position of power as God to come as a man. Now, he was still the son of God, but he came to this earth as a man to fulfill what we could not and to take our place. And so if you think about that in human terms, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And yet he was willing to step down from his position of power to come down just to get a relationship with you and I. You know, I like to think of it in terms of a king or a prince or even a president. You know, President Trump, he's not going to step down from his position of power just so that he can be in a relationship with me. But Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he was willing to step down from that place just to bring me back into relationship. And what that is, is that is a demonstration of the love of God. Because he said, it's all of it. I'll give it all up just for you. If you were the only one, I would give it all up just for you. And so as he was here on this earth, everything he did, he did as a man. And so in order for him to operate as God in this earth, he had to actually be anointed by God. He had to be given strength and ability and power by God to operate as God. And I want us to look at Luke 3.22. Luke 3.22. And here what we're going to see is when Jesus is actually given this anointing, it says in verse 22 that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, my beloved, and you I am well pleased and find delight. And in verse 23 it says, Jesus himself when he began his ministry was about 30 years of age. So we see Jesus being baptized in this moment. And what happens is the Holy Spirit now comes upon Jesus to empower him to now operate as God in the earth. But what I love is it says that God proclaimed, you are my son, my beloved, in who I am well pleased and find delight. And then it says Jesus began his ministry. 
If you realize this, it means this. God said, you are my son, my beloved. Before Jesus had set one person free, before he healed one person, before he went to the cross, God's saying, I love you, Jesus, not because of what you're going to do, but because of who you are. You're my son. And he's the same, the same God that said this to Jesus is the same God that's telling you the same thing. He's saying, you know what? I love you because you're my child, not because of what you'll do for me. Even though you're going to do great things for me, I don't love you because of that. I love you because you're mine. And I believe what this did is it empowered Jesus to never have to prove himself. He never had to heal someone to prove that God loved him or that God loved other people. Jesus received the love of God and then operated from a place of love. And it's the same way with healing. We don't have to receive healing to, be, to have proof that God loves us. We know God loves us, and so his healing manifests in our life all the time. You know, there was a girl in Kenya. We were there. We were doing street ministry, and uh, we were just going around asking people if they needed any type of healing or any need prayer for anything. And there was a lady there that was on the street corner, and she said, you know, I don't need any prayer, but my daughter does. And so she led us to her home, back into this hut. And as we walked in, we saw this young girl sitting on a bed. And as we approached her, we noticed she had a tumor that was from the front of her throat and to the back of her head. And so we went up to her and we asked, you know, why haven't you brought this young girl to the Crusades? We had been there for a while doing open-air meetings, praying for people. And her mom said, you know, we're, we haven't been able to bring her because the people, whenever they see her, they curse her and they say that God did this to her. And, they and, they, and she's not accepted into society because people don't want to be around her because they believe she did something to deserve this. And so here's this young girl, six years old, maybe eight years old, who is now being told by everyone around her that God doesn't love her. In fact, he put this sickness on her. And she's not even accepted into society. She can't go out and play with her friends. She can't be a child. And so I remember we went up to her, and the first thing I wanted to tell her was that God loves you. And I quoted this scripture to her, and it's Zephaniah 3.17, and it says, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, and he is a mighty one, a Savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy, and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of past sins, nor will he ever recall them. And then at the very end, it says, he will dance over you with singing. And there's many things in that, but at the very beginning, it says, the Lord, your God, is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. What he's saying is, I'm with you all the time, and I'll be whatever you need. And then he says he rejoices over you with joy. And really think about that. He's the source of joy itself. But yet he rejoices over you and I. Think about that. That must mean you're pretty valuable. That must mean you're pretty special to him, that the source of joy gets joy from you. It says he'll be silent in his love and make no mention of past sins, nor will he ever recall them. And so I would say what I want you to know is you didn't do anything to God to deserve this tumor. God did not put this on you. He doesn't hold your sin against you. In fact, he doesn't even recall it to himself. And that same God that loves you, he's dancing over you right now and singing, not because you read your Bible for 10 hours, not because you prayed in tongues for 10 hours, but because you're his child and he loves you.
And so I remember we put our hand on that tumor and we commanded it. We said, in the name of Jesus, tumor, you have to go. You do not belong in this bo- on this body. This is a daughter of God and she deserves healing because he paid the price. I remember we took our hand off the tumor and we didn't see any difference. But God told me something real simple about faith. He said, faith is seen with your heart what you can't see with your eyes. Faith is seen with your heart what you can't see with your eyes. And so I remember we took the hand off the tumor, didn't see any difference, but he said, it's gone. It's gone. Remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree and he said, no one will ever eat from you again. The disciples, they didn't immediately see that tree die, but it came back the next day and they said, wow, it's really dead. And he said, yes, of course it is. And it's because the moment he spoke to that tree, it obeyed his word. And it's the same way with our bodies. When we speak to our bodies, the moment we speak, our bodies have to obey. This world was designed to respond to the word of God. This world was designed to respond to the word of God. And when we speak the word of God, our bodies have to respond. They don't have any, our body does not have a choice. We've been given authority over our bodies. So when you say body, you're healed, you're whole, you work just the way God designed you to, there's nothing wrong in you. Your body actually has to respond. It has to react to that word. And so I remember we left that day and, we gave her one scripture to stand on, and it was Romans eight eleven. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you, and he's quickening or making alive your mortal body. And so I told her, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit right now is in you, and he's quickening you, and he's dissolving that tumor off of your face and off of your head right now. And so we left, and we didn't see any difference, but with our heart, we saw that girl whole. And so we left Kenya and we messaged one of the pastors and he said he had went back a couple weeks later and he went and he found this young girl and there was no sign that there had been a tumor there. Completely gone, completely set free as if it had never been there. But what's beautiful about this is this girl was not only healed, but now she could go back into society. Now she could go and accomplish and just be the person God created her to be and could now live the life God had destined for her. And so I want you to know if there's been some type of sickness in your body, it's not always going to be that way. It cannot stay in your body. It has to go. And not only does it have to go, but you're going to fulfill the, the will of God for your life. Many of you here have many, many years ahead with many things to do, many people to impact, many places to go. Your time's not up. No matter what the doctor said, no matter what you've been told, your time's not up. There's still things for you to do. Amen. And so we see Jesus, he's being anointed, but I want us to look at what Jesus did once he received the anointing in Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38, reading this from the Amplified. It said that God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. And he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil for God was with him. So now Jesus receives the anointing. He's given strength and ability and power. And what does he do with it? He uses it for the benefit of others. 
Now, many of you guys have been along for, uh, alive for a while, and you've seen people that have strength and ability and power, and it's not common that they always use it for other people. A lot of times we see people use it for themselves, use it to make themselves great. But Jesus, when he was given strength and ability and power, he used it for you and I and for everyone else. And so the anointing, when it came upon Jesus, what it produced was healing in everyone that he came in contact with. But God's plan, you know, he didn't want you just to have to go to someone that was anointed, only one man. He actually wanted the anointing to rest on the inside of you. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says that he who has given himself to the Lord has now become one spirit with him. We are joined together. How many of you guys know that we are spirit beings? God created us in his image as spirits. And so whenever we were recreated spirit beings, we actually became joined with him in one spirit. One of my friends told me this. He said, sometimes in our spirit, we see ourselves divided still. We see that God's over here and we're over here and sometimes we'll come together. But the truth is, is there's no dividing line in my spirit where God ends and I begin. We're joined together in one spirit forevermore. And that means the same anointed one that went around doing good, healing all who harass and oppress, is the same anointed one living on the inside of me. But how do I participate with that anointing? Father, I thank you that you're with me. Anointed one, I thank you that you live on the inside of me. I thank you that your anointing is going to every area of my body right now, to my lungs, to my heart, to my liver, to my kidneys, flowing through my arteries, clearing out what doesn't belong right now. And even right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is moving through your body. Father, I thank you. There's people in here right now that need healing, and I thank you that it's working right now, right now, right now, right now. Thank you, Lord. The anointed one, the anointed one, dwelling on the inside, living on the inside, always working, always working, always. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've been dealing with something in your body, just go ahead and put your hand on your belly. Put your hand on your belly. And I want you just to close your eyes. And I want you just to imagine... Jesus, right now, putting his hand on top of your hand. Life, 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 right now, flowing to every person in this room. Right now, life, life, Zoe life, the life of God, right now, right now. Go into the area that needs attention, no matter what it is, right now, the anointing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yep, yep. Some of you guys have had trouble breathing. Take a deep breath. Let your lungs fill up. Thank you, Lord, right now. Right now, those lungs are whole. Those lungs are complete. They can breathe just the way God designed them to right now, right now, Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
freedom reigns. Freedom reigns. Freedom reigns in everybody. Everybody here. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Freedom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, looking here, I know some of you guys right now, I know you experience a difference in your body. And things are going to continue because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. And he's quickening your body. Even when you're sleeping, even when you're not aware, even when you're not quoting scripture, the spirit of God, the same spirit is quickening your body. But I want us to look in here in Luke 17, 20. Actually, I'm sorry. We're going to go to John 2, 13 instead. John 2, 13. I'm going to read this passage here. It says, verse 13, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was approaching. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there he found in the temple enclosure those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers sitting there also at their stands. And having made a lash or a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple enclosure, both the sheep and the oxen, spilling and scattering the broker's money and upsetting and tossing around their trays. And it says in verse 16, Then to those who sold the doves, Jesus said, Take these things away. Get them out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And it says, And his disciples remembered that it is written in the scriptures that love for his house will consume him. Love for his house will consume him. So here we see Jesus. He's going into his father's temple. And he's seeing that there's people in there taking advantage of the temple and the people in the temple. And he's, and he's not okay with this. So what does he do? He doesn't just say, guys, come on, get out of here. He gets aggressive. It's one of the few times we see him get pretty physical. And he actually makes a whip and he drives everyone out that doesn't belong there. And he scatters and he tosses their, their trays and their stands. And he says, get out of here. And he's, because he sees that his father's house is being taken advantage of, But guys, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're that temple. And the same Jesus that went through that physical temple is the same Jesus that lives on the inside of you. And when he sees there's a sickness or a disease in your body, he gets just as aggressive, just as upset about it. And he's driving out what doesn't belong. Driving out anything that does not belong in that temple. But we have a responsibility to enforce the authority that he's given us, to enforce what he said. You know, Jesus is the word made flesh. And whenever we speak the word of God over ourselves, we're actually releasing Jesus through our body, driving out whatever doesn't belong. If you've I know somebody here has been dealing with things in their lungs. And whenever you speak the word of God over yourself, you are driving out what does not belong in those lungs. You're driving out what does not belong in your body. You know, someone had 
an issue with their arteries. There's something going on, whether they're clogged, whatever it is. But whenever you speak the word of God, Jesus, right now, you're going through those arteries and you're clearing them out and you're making them perfect and whole and complete right now. And right now, in the name of Jesus, freedom reigns in those arteries. Freedom reigns. The blood flows just the way it's supposed to right now, right now. Diabetes, you cannot stay. You have no right in the name of Jesus. You have to go. Kidneys, you work just the way you're supposed to right now, right now, right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There was a a man that he came into the healing school and he had actually had cancer and he had a tumor in his brain and it, uh, the tumor was so large that it was actually pushing his eyeball out of his socket and he had lost all vision. And so he was having to wear an eye patch. And he came in, he said, the doctors have given me weeks to live. He said, you know, I, I've got, something's got to change. And so we've been telling him these same things, Romans eight eleven. We talked to him about Jesus, the anointed one, driving out what doesn't belong in his body. And we had laid hands on him that week. It said that believers lay hands on the sick and the sick are made well. But you know, you're a believer too. And you can lay hands on yourself. You don't have to go to another believer. While that's scriptural and while that helps, you have the power, the same anointed one that lives on the inside of me, lives on the inside Pastor Pat, lives inside my Uncle Tad, is the same anointed one that lives on the inside of you. And you have the same authority over your body. And so we talked to him and we were teaching him how he needs to speak. He needs to speak over his body. And so we had laid hands on him and we had prayed, but we didn't see any difference when he was there. We didn't see any difference with our eyes, but in our heart, we knew he was healed and whole. I remember this man, he, he left the healing school. Again, didn't look like there was any change. And we didn't hear anything from him for about two months. We had been trying to call him, trying to get in touch with him. Couldn't get in touch with him. But this one lady, she shows up at the healing school and she says, hey, do you remember this man with the eye patch? And we said, yeah, we remember him. How's he doing? She said, well, it's amazing. He's been speaking Romans 8, 11 over his body and he's not having to wear the eye patch anymore and his vision's completely restored. She said, but it didn't stop there. The cancer is completely gone. She said, and the tumor's completely gone. And the doctors say those tumors usually leave some trace behind that it was there, but they're saying it's as if it was never there. She said, but further than that, he actually sent me here. He's my pastor. And so this man who was dealing with a sickness in his body began speaking the life of God, releasing Jesus through his body, and he was completely set free, but it didn't stop there. He now stepped into the destiny that God had for him. Just like the young girl who had the tumor, she was completely set free, but now she stepped into what God had for her. And so I want to let you know, a lot of times the sickness that we're dealing with is a huge distraction. When there's something going on in our finances, in our body, whatever it is, it's a huge distraction from the call of God. Because, you know, we were placed here on this earth for other people. But when we start dealing with something in our body, one of the first things that happens is we start looking inward. We start looking at ourselves. And in fact, if we're not careful, every time someone asks us how we're doing, we're telling them what's wrong with us. 
and we're actually drawing from them instead of giving life to them. But God never designed us to live that way. One of the main reasons he wants you healed and whole is so you can experience the abundant life he has for you, but also so that you can live free to now help other people. So that you're not held back and distracted with things in your life, but so that you can reach the world that God has for you. You know, I know uh, about a year and a half ago, I had actually this terrible thing. I was just in the morning, had a Q-tip in my ear. It was just cleaning my ear and... You know, I got distracted. One of my friends, he texted me. And instead of taking the Q-tip out, I actually just kind of left it hanging in my ear. And so I was texting, and I went to go grab the Q-tip. And instead of grabbing it, I actually pushed it into my ear, and it ruptured my eardrum. I lost all hearing in my ear. I couldn't hear a thing, and I was in a lot of pain. And the first thought that came to my mind was, you're never going to hear again. But, guys, we've got to take... captive we got to take captive every thought and hold it to the obedience of Christ and so what I had to do is I had to realize that thought was not from God in fact God said I'm healed and whole and so in that moment I had to make a decision am I going to believe the lie or am I going to believe what God's word says and I believe God's word and so I put my finger in my ear and I said in the name of Jesus eardrum you're completely whole you can hear completely fine in the name of Jesus eardrum, be whole. I took my finger out of my ear and I didn't notice any difference. Still couldn't hear a thing, still in a lot of pain. But I had to see it in my heart before I saw it with my eyes. And so I remember I did it again in the name of Jesus. Eardrum, you are whole. You can hear just the way God designed you to hear. And when I took my finger out, I didn't notice any difference. But I start speaking Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me, quickening my eardrum, healing my eardrum, making my eardrum alive. I can hear perfectly fine. You know, I remember uh, it was a couple of weeks had gone by and I still hadn't noticed any difference, but I'm still believing the word of God. I'm still speaking the life of God over me, still believing that anointed ones going through my body, going to my eardrum, repairing it healing it, restoring, reviving. And I went to the doctor and he said, you know, where you ruptured the eardrum, it's possible it's never going to close there and you might have permanent hearing loss. And so in that moment, I had the doctor's report now telling me that I may not hear again. And that was another opportunity. Am I going to believe what somebody's telling me, the lie, or am I going to believe what God said? And so in that moment, I didn't tell the doctor, no, I don't receive that. Because it's not my job to change what he thinks. It's my job to control what I think. And so what I did is I said, in the name of Jesus, eardrum, you're whole, you're complete, you can hear fine. In fact, you can hear better than you did before. So when, I've, when you've got voices coming against you, you've got to get aggressive. And it's not always about your volume. It's about your heart. And so I said, you can hear better than you did before. And, you know, another week or two had gone by. And I went to the doctor because I was now experiencing the life that I had been speaking. I was now hearing again. And I went to the doctor, and the, doc, the ear doctor I had been with, he, I had uh, you know, been this, with him since I was about six years old. He had all my hearing tests. 
And uh, so he, he ran a hearing test, and he said, you know, whenever you experience something like this, we normally, uh, where it was ruptured, you may not have complete healing, but we expect you to lose some frequencies. He said, but the thing is, is you're actually hearing higher frequencies than you could before. So not only was I completely healed and whole, but I was in a better place than I was before. Just like the man who had cancer, just like the girl that had a tumor, God's not only interested in healing you, but he's interested in sending you forth better than you were before. Better than you were before. Sending you out into the destiny that he has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your life that dwells on the inside of us every moment of every day. Your life lives on the inside of us every moment of every day. And we're making a decision to make ourselves aware of that life at all times. Not only for healing, Lord, but for our finances, for our relationships. Your life is working. Your life is working right now and we're making a decision we're going to speak life over our body and release the anointed one to whatever area needs attention thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord our bodies respond to your word every time every time every time every time life reigns in our body. Freedom reigns in our body today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. Your anointing has been working in these people this whole service, and I thank you they're going to see a tangible difference in their body, a tangible difference, and they're going to expect every day for it to be better than it was the day before. And I thank you, Lord, that they're going to go forward better than, when, better than how they came. And they're going to fulfill the call and the destiny that you have on their lives. No matter what it looks like right now, they see it in their heart, whether they see it with their eyes or not. We thank you for freedom. Freedom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Your peace all the time. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Brad.